0: Tanisan and the Obvious Fact. I have shown you how to knock a policeman off his bicycle by means of a small stone, said Tanisan. I have instructed you in the art of undermining adult control by setting your grandparents against your parents. And I have even suggested how you might make your pocket money work for you through a number of short term, high yield investments. Now it is time to go to sleep. A story, a story, piped up the two little girls as Tannisan tucked them into bed. Tell us a story, Mrs Tanny, please, please. May and Mai were the daughters of Tannisan's neighbours across the street, the kowanos A sudden death in the family had sent Mrs kowano back to her hometown of Fukuoka, leaving the twins in the care of their father, which was only marginally preferable to abandoning them on open ground with a pair of hungry leopards on the loose. So Tannis had stepped in at short notice, like a disreputable Mary Poppins. Yes, I'm afraid to say that it was out of the frying pan and into the fire as far as the girls were concerned. "'A story, is it?' said Tanis as she perched herself on the edge of the bed. Hm. Mm, very well then, let me see. "'I believe it was Sherlock Holmes who said that there is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact.' And the tale that I am about to tell may shed some light on that curious observation. So then, once she was comfortably settled, she began. Some time ago, she said, I became aware of strange disturbances all about the house, items of food that suddenly went missing, chairs moved, objects left in one place that mysteriously reappeared somewhere else. It was a very peculiar business all round and whatever was causing it was only ever active at night. I investigated, of course, but was never able to get to the bottom of it. All the same, I had the impression that this entity was either unable or unwilling to communicate with me. I would walk into the kitchen, say, and there would be evidence of a recent disturbance. But then some slight noise would betray its presence in an adjoining room. It was always like that, you see in the next room, or behind a screen, or just around the corner. I could never quite catch it, or even catch a glimpse of it. It was just too... elusive. "'Look it up,' said tanisan "'If it was so difficult to catch, why didn't you trap it like a lump?" asked May, who was already so scared that she'd pulled up the duvet around her. "'How do you trap a ghost when it's made of oxygen?' chided Tanisan. Get real. You could chase it into the closet and suck it up inside a vacuum cleaner, suggested Mai, who was only trying to be helpful. Oh, well, yes, of course, said Tanisan. Why didn't I think of that? After all, not only can ghosts not walk through walls, but they also have tremendous difficulty with vacuum cleaners for some reason. Enough of the silly questions. Do you want to hear this story or not? Both girls nodded simultaneously, in that creepy way that twins sometimes have. "'Thank you,' said Tanisan, albeit with a definite air of reproach. "'So anyway,' she said, "'over the next few weeks I tried everything I could to discourage it. "'Salt, garlic, Swiss yodeling, nothing worked. "'In sheer desperation I sought the advice of my friend, Mrs Ishihama. "'That's how bad it had got.' She's not exactly the brightest star in the firmament at the best of times, although she did have one useful suggestion to make in this case. She told me about this supermarket tabloid that she reads to keep up with current events, and they're willing to pay big bucks for real-life stories of the supernatural. What they do is to send their resident psychic to your house with a reporter to make an assessment of the annoyance. If it turns out to be a top-of-the-range spook with all the attendant histrionics, they're willing to go as high as 100,000 yen per story. You see, they have this three-tier pay scale for anecdotal evidence of the haunting. Concise, rambling and delusional. And then there are the photographic rights, which can bring in an additional 25,000 yen per picture, as long as you can't actually see anything too clearly. As Tanisan continued with her rundown of the T's and C's, she noticed that Mai's eyelids were starting to droop, so she suddenly broke off. Am I boring you, she said, giving the child a quick prod in the ribs, because it's very rude to fall asleep when someone's trying to tell you a bedtime story. The drowsier of the two sisters sat up sharply and rubbed her eyes, yet it was only when the storyteller was sure she had her audience's full attention that she deigned to continue. So anyway, she went on, these two herberts came round and asked me a lot of silly questions. They seemed to think that the problem was being caused by a jibakurai, the most boring of the ghosts. Just my luck. I checked them out on the internet and they really are the dullest bunch of bogies you can imagine. Attached to a particular place or situation, they're doomed to repeat the same few actions over and over again, and the only way to get rid of them is through an exorcism ritual. At this point, Tanisan broke off again. Talking of the necessities, she said, where does your mother keep the cakes in this house? I looked in the fridge, but there wasn't a crumb in sight. We're not allowed to eat cakes, said Mai, hugging her panda, except on our birthday and once during Golden Week. Or says they're bad for our teeth. Good Lord, exclaimed Tanisan, utterly appalled. You never know what's going on behind closed doors, do you? Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, the ritual. So then a couple of days later the Herberts returned with the newspaper's resident exorcist, this bug-eyed sea bream with a perm so wiry it bordered on the pubic. Master Merkin, they called him. So while the photographer was messing about with his lens caps, this Merkin character set up a table and took out his paraphernalia. Then he asked me to kneel beside him and looked me straight in the face, or as close to the face as the wonky eye would allow. "'Many years ago,' he said, "'you and I met in a dream. "'It was under a bower of fragrant cherry blossoms.' "'Tanisan leant back a little and kicked off her slippers. "'At first, she went on, "'I had no idea what he was jabbering about. "'But then it all came back to me. "'Oh, yes,' I said, "'I remember you were there with your mother "'and a hippopotamus. "'Yet for some reason this seemed to throw him a bit.' Oh, uh, yes, he said, suddenly quite keen to change the subject. Well, I, uh, I suppose we'd better be getting on if we mean to make any headway. With that, Tannisan took off her sweater, folded it carefully, and dropped it onto the floor. Budge up, she said, shuffling her bottom further onto the futon so that she could squeeze in under the duvet. All the same, she wasn't satisfied until she'd wriggled her way into the middle of the bed, thus forcing the twins to bunch up in the corner. When at last she had full command of the sleeping arrangements, she continued. So he lit a stick of incense and rang his little bell. Then he shook this rattle thing that looked a bit like a carpet beater, and started in with the monotonous chanting. Georgie 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 Jaw intoned Tannisan, pulling all sorts of weird and wonderful faces as she attempted to emulate the toneless chant of the exorcist. Hum jum jum ding Chuk chuk chuk. Well, she said, Needless to say, I felt a right Charlie kneeling there next to that droning imbecile. But then something happened that made me forget all that. All at once, the lights began to flicker. Of course, the more sceptical among us would no doubt attribute that to the photographer overloading the fuse box with his lighting equipment, which would be the most rational, while at the same time the most boring explanation. But then all of a sudden, we were plunged into darkness. Someone took out a flashlight and began shining it into the corners of the room. And there, just for a second, frozen in that shimmering beam, I saw a ghastly face pressed up against the window, peering in on us. The two little girls huddled closer, their eyes like saucers, or some form of crockery at the very least. What did it look like? asked the spellbound Mai. Tannisan considered the question carefully before answering. Well, she said, the nearest thing I can liken it to is a large toad that is being fed through an industrial turbine feet first. It had these oddly distorted features and black, bulging eyes. Pretty much how you would imagine a disgusting Chinese cake goblin to look. Ugh, went the appalled Kawaano sisters in unison. My feeling precisely, agreed Tanisan. Yet according to the experts, this was a good thing. When I told Master Merkin about it, he said it meant that the exorcism had been a success. The presence had been forced to reveal itself, and I wouldn't be troubled by it any more. "'Yay!' went the sisters, who were very relieved to hear it. "'Well, hold on a minute,' said Tannisan. "'Don't count your chickens. I haven't finished yet.' So for the next few days, things did calm down a bit. But on the following Friday, something terrible happened. "'Did you find diarrhoea in your shoes?' asked Mai, peering over a sister's shoulder. Tanisan frowned. What? she said. No, of course not. What on earth made you say a thing like that, you dreadful child? Now, on the Friday night, I was lying in bed, reading a few improving pages of Dr Linkbetter's practical guide to flash-freezing stray cats and other small mammals, when I heard a noise downstairs in the kitchen. Very cautiously, I ventured down, only to find the refrigerator door wide open. When I then came to examine the contents, I found, at this point, Tanisan was so overcome by emotion that she choked on her words. I found that a small piece of tiramisu had been removed. As further testament to the fact that this still grieved her, her face went quite red and she began to tremble. Naturally, I measured it, just to be certain, she continued, albeit falteringly, and sure enough, there was a gap of 1.85 centimetres between the side of the container and the edge of the dessert. Someone, or perhaps I should say, something, had been nibbling at it. Well, at first I was so upset that I was ready to throw the whole thing away. But in the end, common sense prevailed. There was no need to go berserk, was there? So instead, I went into the closet to fetch my baseball bat, convinced that the cake-snaffling monstrosity was still at large. Where are you? I cried. Come forth and show yourself. And just then, there came a creaking sound from the tatami room, so I rushed in and turned on the light. Guess what? What? asked the twins, who were on absolute tenterhooks. I was thrown flat on my face. The two girls gave a single gasp. Was it the hungry ghost that attacked you? asked the mesmerised Mai. No, said Tanisan, it was worse than that. Earlier that day I'd been sorting through a box of junk which I'd left in the tatami room, and it was this that I'd tripped over in the dark, stubbing my toe and scattering the contents all across the floor. By my foot was an old photograph album that had fallen open at a certain page. The pictures had faded, yet I vaguely recalled the event in question. The setting was the function room of a large hotel, and my entire family were there. If they'd sealed off the exits, the police could have had a field day. With a growing sense of unease, I leafed through the mildewed pages, and in the next heart-stopping moment, my entire world was turned upside down. For there I was at my own wedding, Dressed in the traditional shiromoku of the Japanese bride, and with a face as white as an albino vervet monkey that has just received a very large tax bill. And standing beside me was the man that I had presumably married. From her cosy place beneath the duvet, Tanisan raised her hands as if to frame the absolute horror of the scene. And when I saw his face, she said, I realised that it was the same grim countenance that had been looking in through the window on the night of the exorcism. So now a more dreadful possibility presented itself, one that I hardly dared contemplate. Perhaps the disturbances that had been plaguing my house were not caused by a ghost at all. Perhaps it was all down to this... For several moments the twins just lay there with bated breath waiting for Tanisan to finish the sentence. But when instead there came the sound of gentle snoring, they sat up in bed and looked across at her, only to find that she was fast asleep. May, who was the closest, shook her by the shoulder, but Tanisan made a complaining noise, gave her the elbow and turned away from them. No, protested Mai, that can't be the end. What did she mean when she said, perhaps it wasn't a ghost? Now, at this point, I should come clean and admit that there is something that I haven't told you about the Kiwano sisters. While they tended to play it down in the company of adults, they were, in fact, frighteningly clever little girls who, in later life, would pose a major threat to national security. If I were to hazard a guess, said May, dropping the innocent act, I would say that what Mrs Tanny was about to tell us was that it was this husband of hers who was causing the disturbances every night when he came home from work. She thought that it was a ghost because she'd forgotten that she was married. Understandably, her sister found that very difficult to believe. I find that very difficult to believe, said Mai. Is it possible to forget something so evident and of which there would be countless daily reminders? Still, I suppose it would explain the significance of the Sherlock Holmes quote that there is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. So there you have it. While the responsible adult slept soundly, her two young charges sat up half the night discussing all the possible interpretations of Tannisan's bedtime story. Yet in spite of their best efforts, they were never able to reach any firm conclusions as to whether Tannisan was married or not. And as strange as it may seem, dear listener, neither was Tannisan.